0: Didn't I tell you, answered Mr. Beaver, that the witch made it always winter and never Christmas? Didn't I tell you? Well, just come and see. And then they were all at the top and did see. It was a sledge, and it was reindeer, with bells on their harness. But they were far bigger than the witch's reindeer, and they were not white but brown. And on the sledge sat a person whom everyone knew the moment they set eyes on him, He was a huge man in a bright red robe, bright as holly berries, with a hood that had fur inside it, and a great white beard that fell like a foamy waterfall over his chest. Everyone knew him because, though you see people of his sort only in Narnia, you see pictures of them and hear them talked about in our world, the world on this side of the wardrobe door. But when you really see them in Narnia, It is rather different. Some of the pictures of Father Christmas in our world make him look only funny and jolly. But now that the children actually stood looking at him, they didn't find it quite like that. He was so big and so glad and so real that they all became quite still. They felt glad, but also solemn. I've come at last, he said. She has kept me out for a long time, but I have got back in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the These Days podcast. Hello. A very Merry Christmas to all of you, from us here in the Spare Room Studios to you and yours. Mm-hmm. And if this is not Christmas when you're listening to this, well then clearly you have not been keeping up on your These Days <laughs> homework. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, yes. Uh,
1: that, that was a great cold open, but before yeah. we jump into that, what if we uh, just remind everybody that they can have a really special, special holiday season yes. by following us on Instagram mm-hmm. at we'll be going now the gift that keeps on giving the the gift that keeps on giving you can also support us on patreon which you can find the link for on our instagram at we'll be going now uh or you can you can even just um help us spread the word about the podcast by um cajoling coercing and genuinely generally (laughs) uh manipulating your friends into listening to it so
0: kindly kindly
1: yeah with great kindness Go ahead and cajole and manipulate <laughs> oh, uh, everybody you meet to listen to the These Days podcast. So with that said, Dad, why don't you lead us into that? Uh, yeah. well, tell us what that cold open was from and what we're going to talk about
0: today. Yeah, That was, that was interesting. But uh, This is actually a first for us, I realized, Ben. Yeah. Because we've never done a biography of a book before. That's true. So this is sort of like a bio of a book, not a person, not an event. We did do
1: a bio of a of a like musical work
0: recently we just did yeah, that we did that yes. recently. Yep. you might want to check that out if you haven't heard that one uh but this one is about of course the lion and the witch in the wardrobe by c.s lewis or we, a friend of the podcast we lovingly refer to as saint, saint jack. jack yeah when we meet him and well I, I want i don't know what he's going to think of that but he's gonna love it oh i hope he rolls with laughter Roles. Well, yeah, you know, he was supposed to be a jolly soul himself. Oh, uh, from time to time. But uh, the book, *The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe*, well known, well beloved. The story of the Pevensey children, Susan, Edmund, Lucy, Peter, being drawn into. Uh, the land of Narnia. The do you, know, bur- you want to know
1: a bizarre but fun fact? Yes, I do. So I started driving. You know, when I was a teenager, yeah. got my first car from yeah. you and mom, which I was that purple that. van.
0: Oh, I remember that. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but every car I've ever had, did you know, it's been named after one of the Pevensey children?
0: Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, my first car was. Why did you hide King, that from me, ben? My My first
1: car was named. I named it King Edmund the Just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's intense, man. That's committed. Yeah. And then, that's committed then the next right one was there.
1: Lucy Pevensey.
0: Yeah, yep. So why did you not tell me that before? I don't know. Oh, no. that, well, I'm getting all kinds of revelations here on the podcast. But uh, just to sort of bring our audience into the, on the joke, Ben, because we keep referring to our studios as the Spare Oom um Studios. Yep. Because they're in a building that has the word Spare Oom um on the outside of it.
1: I know. I'm, I was the one who got you that sign. Yes, you did. Yes, I did.
0: Uh, but... The uh, spare room, of course, is early when Lucy, the first uh, of the children to be drawn into Narnia through the wardrobe, uh, meets Mr. Tumnus, the fawn. Uh, She tries to explain where she came from, and she said, I came from uh, the spare room, and he can't really figure out what that is, so he says Spare Oom. Um.
1: Spare Oom, um, the yep. land of Spare Oom um and the country of wardrobe.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. that's right, yes. So, uh, But the book was published in October 16, uh, 1950. It was started, he actually started writing it in 1948, uh, but that's not the whole story. Uh, long before then, like 10 years before them, in the late...
1: And this was, uh, sorry, this was the first of the Narnia books he wrote, right? That's right. Even though this, it's not the first it's chronologically. It's the second
0: chronology, and he was pretty clear about that in letters that... Uh, it was number two, but it took him a lot longer. He didn't actually write uh, the first one, The Magician's Nephew, until the second to last. But really, it makes total sense because The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe sort of lays out all the detail and all the you know, information about Narnia. And it sets up Aslan and all that. But, but the, um, the, the idea came to him of writing a story, uh, possibly for children, of a fawn carrying packages in a snowy wood. But it's, that came to him like in 1939 or 1940 or something like that. And, and he started, we're not sure exactly when, but he started working on it. There's actually a piece of a, uh, about children coming to this uh, magical land uh, sort of deal, a piece of writing he did that was, uh, we're not sure of the exact date of it, but it was, it was at least 10 or uh, 11 years before uh, he wrote this, but he put it down. He was like Tolkien, when Tolkien tried to write Lord of the Rings, he put it down. Uh, for years but uh, then in uh, uh, what what but the point I'm, I'm making about that is is that he started thinking about this idea of writing stories that bring uh, uh the message of you know Christian belief and uh scriptural store the ultimate scriptural story God' story into a fictionalized world and um, he 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 kind of let the uh, let it out of the bag as to what he was up to uh, about well six years and when he after uh, that he wrote Lion Witch in the Wardrobe in a uh, piece that he wrote for the New York Times Book Review that's called Sometimes Fairy Stories May Say At Best What Needs to Be Said. <laughs> <laughs> L- long title, but uh, that, but he says in there, he says... Oh, like
1: somebody else I know who oh, likes uh, long titles. What,
0: or a lot, lot of words. But he says there, he says, Supposing that by casting all these things into an imaginary world, stripping them of their stained glass and Sunday school associations, one could make them for the first time appear in their real potency. Could one not steal past those watchful dragons? I thought one could. Uh, stealing past the watchful dragons of those who are so critical of the things uh, the, of the you know, things of faith, the reality of good and evil, that sort of thing. But that all came from a conversation he had in the late 30s, uh, 1936 actually, so mid30s, I guess, uh, with Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien, they just sat around one day and said, you know what we don't really like the books that we are out there. We would like to read stories that actually keep our interest. And so they challenged each other to write stories, and one of the things they wanted to do was, you know, sort of steal past the watchful dragons of uh, assumptions and presuppositions that sort of p- cause people to check out of the story before they even have a chance to make the case. So they were applying their imagination and reason, and these years later, when Lewis started writing uh, for uh, writing Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, that's what he was doing. He'd already done it in the Space Trilogy, Uh, And now he was doing it uh, for children, which is interesting because, you know, Lewis was not known as a a real children's guy. He himself uh, uh, said he didn't really understand children. You know, we might argue with him about that because of uh, the the power and the skill with which he uh, wrote these Narnia books, especially this one. But... uh, it's an interesting thing that it came out of. He, he lived in the kilns with his uh, brother, Warren uh, Lewis, who was here and there because he was a, a major in the Army for a long time. Uh, also, Mrs. Moore, uh, the mom of a friend that he had made a pact with in World War One, uh, that if one of them died, the other would take care of their parents. And uh, uh, Patty uh, Moore, his friend, died in World War One. And um, anyway... Uh, it. it Oh, and Mrs. Moore's daughter Maureen was there too, but she was uh, a, a an older girl by this time. But in the uh, in World War II, when they were evacuating children from London, uh, they had children living there with them in the kilns. And there's this interesting story. Walter Hooper talked about this um, that there was uh, that he had talked to one of the uh, g- girls that had been there, but now uh, as a grown woman, uh, what was it like to live in C.S. Lewis's home during World War II? And and, you know, because London was being bombed and so forth, that's why the movie starts that way. But um, he was, you know, so what was it like, you know, was it kind of strange being uh, with this Oxford, Tweety Oxford Don and uh, she said, no, he actually came home and helped us with our homework once in <laughs> a while. How would that be like to have C.S. Lewis nice. help you with your homework? Well, at that
1: point, he wasn't yeah. really C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Like, people didn't have him in their minds in that no. way yet.
0: And if it was yeah. math, he would have done a terrible job because he, he, he just couldn't. He said he couldn't do math. He hated math. <laughs> but um, sorry, all you engineers out there. But uh, little uh, known public fact um, he was deeply in touch with his own childhood and his dreams and tragedies that happened in his own life. And, uh, and when you read the book, surprised by joy, joy, his spiritual biography of the first, uh, half of his life, it it pretty clear that he still felt deeply about those things, even 1950 when he wrote that book. And, but so what's interesting is, is that a lot of those sort of, uh, Feelings and experiences and concerns and even the tragedies of his young life, he actually includes in the, the Narnia uh, mm-hmm. Chronicles. But mm-hmm. anyway, the for our purposes today, since it is winter, and since we just might have done one on St. Nicholas. We did. Uh, and the, 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 the open today was uh, uh, of Father Christmas, which is the same thing, which is kind of an interesting take on, um, you know, Santa Claus, a little different than you might see, but when you think about it, it's it's, it was you know they felt glad and solemn at the same time.
1: Yeah, this Father Christmas is giving them things like swords Mm -hmm. (laughs) and bows and arrows, which I just don't understand why I never got those things growing up, Dad.
0: I gave my grandchildren swords last year for Christmas. Can I just yeah or lightsabers? I mean, well, clearly (laughs) you
1: clearly you love them better. Clearly, I because I never I don't remember any sort of actual
0: weapons, man. Yeah. Well, I was really deprived. We were, we were we were ahead of the game, Ben, and we were ahead of the culture at that time. So just, it's too bad. Stinks to be you, but I mean, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, the way that Father Christmas winds uh, up in that story uh, a couple of pages later, uh, after giving those gifts, uh, says... Then he cried out, Merry Christmas, long live the true king, and cracked his whip, and he and the reindeer and the sledge and all were out of sight before anyone realized that they had started. And the children start looking at their gifts and their weapons, Peter pulls out his sword, by the way. So,
1: yeah, you know, it occurs to me, uh, because one of the first things Lucy hears about Narnia in the book is that it's always winter and never Christmas. Yeah, And uh, it occurs to me, because just because you were just talking about C.S. Lewis's own childhood, but that's sort of the that was sort of the the character of his childhood too, wasn't it? Always winter, never Christmas. Yes, and that's you right. get the sense that he he really wanted uh, Father Christmas to <laughs> ride into his own childhood and yes. give him these weapons and these adventures and all this yeah. stuff. And you get you get like in, in the way he describes Father Christmas and the way that the children meet Father Christmas, mm-hmm. you get the idea that it's like the fulfilling of C.S. Lewis's own wildest dreams. Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, And I have a theory about that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I'm going to float this out here. Any psychologists out there, just uh, bear with me. Uh, no emails, although you can post on Instagram, I suppose. But yeah, feel free to uh, post on Instagram. We'll be going. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I heard one time that comedians that are the funniest are the ones who've had tragic upbringings, difficult, hard times. Hmm but i wonder if that doesn't kind of apply to the people who are most creative are the people that are the most sensitive as children and and mm. you know feel things deeply as children uh, and i think maybe lewis might have been like that we have other people in our family that might I be w- like that i
1: don't know what you're talking about yeah
0: well i'm just saying people that feel things deep things deeply and take things uh seriously i think i was
1: i was stone cold <clears throat> as a child no emotions yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, right, right, Stone Cold Ben. That that that's that's what I think of every time. Uh-huh. But um, uh, that's I think that's why Lewis describes Father Christmas as the children's response being glad and yet solemn, because they're feeling the moment deeply because it's not what they expected of yeah. Christmas, Father Christmas. But. Back to the how he came about with the story. He, he struggled to write Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Even in 1949, it just wasn't coming together. And then Lewis later describes this. He, he showed it to Rob, uh, Roger Lancelin Green, who had been one of his students but then became a lifelong friend. He showed it to Tolkien. We're not sure when or how, but it's pretty apparent because in a minute I'll read you what Tolkien thought about it when he saw it in 1949. <laughs> but... Uh, But here's how Lewis describes how the whole story of Narnia actually came together and just kind of shot out of his brain and heart. He said this. He said, the lion all began with a picture of a fawn carrying an umbrella and parcels in a snowy wood. Suddenly Aslan came bounding into it. I think I had been having a good many dreams about lions about that time. Apart from that, I don't know where the lion uh, came from or why or why he came. But once he was there, he pulled the whole story together and soon he pulled the six other Narnian stories in after him. So it's just kind of like out of the blue. I, wouldn't that be something to be able to write like that? Yeah. Create create things that just pop in your head. Maybe you already do that, Ben. I don't know.
1: Well, I just was thinking, um, he's probably just going you know, walk on his way to class in the morning, man, I'm having a lot of dreams about lions lately. (laughs) And then when he finally sits down to write it, like this lion, like he kind of comes out of nowhere into his story. And it just makes me think of like the, you never can tell the creativity or the thing, the things that are, the streams that are all coming together to form this yeah thing that you're going to do that God's going to use in such a powerful way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's so how we work. Dreams, I mean, he would actually, what have your dreams
1: been about then, Dad? What are what are my dreams been about? Oh, you don't <laughs> yeah. want
0: to mow my dreams. No, that'd be terrible. But but he would sit in the back of cabs on his way home, uh, you know, from his rooms at Ox at um, College, and then going home to the kilns. He would sit in the back of a cab, and there was this one cab actually, a cabbie actually. Um, he gave us a tour of Oxford one time. But he said one time Lewis just said, hey, what do you think about this? And he threw out a thought. I don't think it was about Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe. How does that play with you? And, he, and then he'd, you know, he'd take, actually take uh, kind of surveys of people. But what's interesting is, is that he was definitely in touch with the people. Um, as soon as he published uh, Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, children responded from all over the world. The, the, there's an entire book of letters uh, just to children that Lewis wrote. He was famous for writing in like 2,000 letters in, in reply. He felt he should reply to every single letter that he got. And <laughs> oh I don't Lord. know how he did that. But but what what that le- the ch- letters to children show is that um, he, he really took their concerns, pers- I mean, not personally, he took them seriously. And he actually wrote letters back to them, not as if you silly little children, but Uh, It's just amazing to hear this uh, brilliant uh, Oxford professor, actually hadn't even made full professor, uh, but this Oxford Don, this tutor at Oxford uh, was able to speak at a level that they fully understood, and that's what is reflected in this book. Uh, As I said earlier, uh, Tolkien saw it, uh, and uh, about the time that his friend Roger Lancelin Green saw it in 1949. Uh, probably he read it when they had their meetings at the Eagle and Child, the the Inklings did, or maybe at, you know, Thursday night Inklings meetings that were still going at that time. But, um, and, and Tolkien had been pretty mocked by some of those guys about his Hobbit stories. So they may, you know, Tolkien may have been reacting to that a little bit, but here's what he, he wrote to Lancelon Green. Uh, he says, I hear you've been reading Jack's children's story. It really won't do, you know. I mean to say nymphs and their ways, the love life of a fawn. He, doesn't he know what he's talking about? <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, really that was part of the back and forth of, you know, the the honest and open uh, interaction that these um, men had in this group called the Inklings. Because years later, I think it was actually just a few months after um, Lewis passed. He he, he uh, Tolkien's response to a woman who had asked him about somehow they'd gotten on the subject uh, in their letter writing about uh, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and um, and specifically Lion Witch, in the wardrobe. Uh, and Tolkien says, you know, I really didn't like it when it came out. In fact, I still don't really like this and that and so forth. But, you know, to honestly, I have to say that's just my opinion because it really is worth reading. You should really read it, especially <laughs> to your children. So, uh, you know, and, and then he said something really, you know, touching. He said something like, and I miss him dearly or something like that. Mm. And um, so, uh, you know, the, I, the reality of the environment in which Lewis was doing this, this took some guts. To put a Christian story in a children's format that even adults like, uh, I, I had the chance to sit with Walter Hooper w- one time uh, at the Kilns. But
1: for, for those who haven't gone quite so far down the St. Jack yes. rabbit hole as you, who, who is Walter Hooper? Uh, yeah, well,
0: I was about to explain that, Ben. Yes, he was He was Lewis's secretary for the last three to six months of his life. Uh, he'd, he'd been in communication and knew Lewis uh, through communication and having visited him for a couple of years. And... Um, then Walter actually was the one reason we have all this stuff because he went and rescued it from the bonfires that his, that Warnie was so distraught. He was burning all of Lewis's papers and manuscripts. Wow. So Walter came and rescued him and he's the one that published them over the last decades. He's You're talking about these letters and stuff. Yep. And books. There actually a lot of the books that we have, he rescued from the fire. Wow. So he's, uh, he passed during COVID, but, uh, I had a chance to sit with him when we were at the kilns. We had a banquet, a dinner, and they invited him over. And uh, the, the host was nice enough to sit me right next to him. And so I just picked, his, picked his brain. And he told me that uh, Tolkien had told him that, and I don't have exactly the quote here because my brain's fuzzy on it. But he says there were two things that were unforgivable in Oxford at the time that uh, Lewis was writing these things, especially the Narnia stories. Uh, One was to write serious Christian books uh, that, you know, I mean, he he said that the Oxford professors and so forth, even they got sick and needed a good pulp fiction kind of mystery novel kind of thing to read, keep their interest when they were sick. But he said to write Christian books, that was not okay. And secondly, to be popular for it, that was the the gravest sin of all. (laughs) So, (laughs) So Lewis was, you know, he was... Sort of ridiculed for this, but certainly not in terms of the reaction of children and certainly not in the terms of the reaction of many adults and and people around the world who have loved these stories. In fact, I have one to sort of wrap this up. I have one uh, letter here that is fairly famous. It's a letter from the mother of or letter to the mother of uh, Lawrence Craig. And Lawrence had been writing to c s. Lewis, but his mother, uh, wrote to Lewis and said, my son just came to me. He's feeling so guilty because he feels like he loves uh, Aslan more than he loves Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a terrible, terrible thing. And Lewis starts off by saying, hey, give uh, uh, Lawrence my love. And he says, "This it's impossible for him to love Aslan more than Jesus Um For one thing, if he was an idol worshiper, that's what the kid was afraid of, I guess. (laughs) Uh, If he was an idol worshiper, he'd have to be doing it on purpose. And right now, he can't help himself. It's not doing it on purpose. (laughs) And secondly, all the things he loves about Aslan, he loves about... um, Are the things that he loves about Jesus. So he's essentially loving the same thing. And and he talks about Aslan being uh, patterned on the Lion of Judah and all that. But then at the end, the third thing that he says, I think is kind of interesting... He says, if I were Lawrence, I'd just say in my prayers something like this. Dear God, if the things I've been thinking and feeling about the books are things that you don't like and are bad for me, please take away those feelings and thoughts. But if they are not bad for me, then please stop me from worrying about them. And help me every day to love you more in the way that really matters more than any feelings or imaginations by doing what you want and growing more like you, unquote. that is the sort of thing I think Lawrence should say to himself. But I would be—it would be kind and Christian-like if he would then add, "If Mr. Lewis has worried any other children by his books or done them any harm, then please forgive him and help him never to do it again." <laughs> 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 but you can kind of see how you know he's—he's he's not mocking this kid. He's—he's a. He's, he's, uh, Taking it seriously, and you know, there's there's a lot of grace there that's pretty powerful that shows up in the book. So, so what does it all mean? What does it matter? Well, the whole series uh, has done a lot, so much to bring the Christian message really uh, into um, past the watchful dragons. But it's not. It's important to say, particularly for parents saying shall I read this to my kids? There, there's some points that don't sync up with Christian sound Christian theology. Not because they, they're, they're, they're uh, incorrect, uh, but more to the point that this is in an alternative world. It's an alternative world taking us to another land, as Aslan says, so you can know me there, but also understand me here better in this world. So it's, uh, it's not direct theology that way, but it does bring us into a, uh, a, a world of biblical theology in, in, in the broadest sense. But also, I think this inspires us too. I mean, that we can be creative. I mean, look, you named your cars.
1: You know, I, I mean, that I did, was very I did, yeah. creative. Yeah, yeah I named yes. my cars. Yeah. I still yeah. do. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. we can be creative and imaginative on this same level, and I think it's part of what he he wrote it for. Was not just so it would be an end all, but that he would inspire others uh, to help sneak past those uh, those uh, watchful dragons. And um, his. Uh, many Christians have been inspired by this. Um, I I ran into somebody in the restaurant, a family that you know, actually. Okay. But I'm not going to name them here in case they hear the podcast. But I saw them at a restaurant the other day. I was just passing by. Hey, how you doing? And somehow, line in which the wardrobe came up Cool. And, oh, I love that book. David, and I didn't bring it up. David, no, it was not me.
1: Every, no, but when you walk no, into a room, it's yeah. like everybody starts thinking about <laughs> C.S. Lewis. That's just how oh, much you're saturated I now. doubt that.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't mind, but I doubt that. But uh, but also, I've um, known people who didn't believe uh, in any of the Jesus or the Bible or any of this sort of thing. And didn't believe in any of that. And uh, they were handed a copy of Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. And then they would come back, they've come back to their friends and say, wait, I think this guy actually believes this. Is that right? I mean, is, it, is, is that what he's trying to say? So, mm-hmm. And it opened up a powerful conversation. So, so that's, uh, it's about that time.
1: Time for Books Books and Stuff. stuff. Well, we've been talking about a book this whole time.
0: Yes, so that's kind of
1: obvious, right? Yeah, I think so.
0: Not to be Captain Obvious, but if you haven't read uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, or if you haven't read it lately, uh, maybe read it or read it to your children. I know people that are doing that.
1: It's a great Christmas uh read or listen if you do audiobooks it's great Mm -hmm. because it's it's snowy and wintry and there's turkish delight and hot cocoa and also father christmas
0: yes and the other thing i was going to say is the movie is this of the three movies that are out there this is probably the best one
1: Uh, yeah of the recent ones i like the old bbc
0: yeah those uh, are better i
1: think they're well they're they're better at at the uh Maintaining the story, I think, but mm-hmm. they, you know, production values are definitely lower. Yeah, and they true. are from the 80s, and so the talking animals are like people in in animal suits. Yes, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> I think is awesome. Uh, uh, I like it. Well, those are like
0: Wizard Devo- of Wizard of Oz. Way, yeah, and they feel,
1: if they feel more yeah. like a like a play on yes. film instead of a movie. Yeah, but I uh, like the original yeah. BBC
0: and uh, yeah, they avoid weird things like. The love connection between Susan and Caspian and that stupid stuff. Anyway.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's Prince Caspian. That's a different yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, we don't recommend that one. We recommend. F- Actually, Witch I had a friend
0: the on the uh, a C.S. Lewis uh, scholar who was on the site of the original Language and the Wardrobe movie.
1: I know. You told yeah, me this. Cool. Yeah. But uh, th- I think that, that movie's pretty good.
0: Yep. Uh, the only other thing I say uh, at the risk of, uh, I hope this doesn't sound like self promotion, but. There's a. I was invited to do some classes on video at oh, Western Seminary. Yeah,
1: I can promote this if okay, you want. That's okay, not yeah. self promotion. Right. Uh, w- well, w- it's not any more than we normally do on this podcast. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> have you checked out our Instagram? At yeah. we'll be going. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the at Center we'll for going. Leadership Development at Western Seminary uh, are those? Those aren't still free, are they? They are. They're they're free. free. Wow. So if you go to Western Seminary Center for Leadership Development, free online video classes. And somebody I know has one about uh, Narnia Narnia and through the wardrobe, what is it, discipleship through the wardrobe or something like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not, uh, uh, the the theology of Narnia is what it is. Oh. And and it's not uh, something your kids are going to want to sit down and watch. But it comes with a booklet, like a study questions and group questions if you want, stuff like that. So.
1: Yeah, uh, I think they're pretty pretty awesome yeah. uh, and worth your time. And uh, I think uh, you you should maybe give that gift to yourself this Christmas time. Maybe we'll put a link to that on the Instagram.
0: Yeah. It used but, to be like 150 bucks, so you can just say, "Look, I spent a lot of money on this."
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you're gonna give it, someone, donation, give it someone, give it to someone for Christmas. Yeah. Like, I got you yeah. this online course.
0: <laughs> 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 Cost me all this money. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, again, we're not we're not encouraging. Uh, telling untruths so yeah right yeah all right well i think we're winding down there i think think it's uh time to say uh we'll be going now